This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, it is Friday the 8th of April and this is the Seasiders Pod Thursday show. It is a double header on Lancashire Derbies this week as we look back on the disappointing result from Tuesday against Preston and we also look forward to the upcoming match against Blackburn Rovers. Um, However, we have a esteemed panel of credible guests to come and give their opinion on all the things Blackpool. Joining us is the Mr. Accredited, Sean McGinley. Welcome, Sean. Cheers, Connor. No worries. Having run away to Scotland to try and forget the Preston result, we've now successfully dragged Matt back to unfortunately relive it all over again. Welcome, Matt. Good evening. We all right? Very well, thank you. Um, Tim's escapes are just about to begin, but we've managed to catch him before he goes on holiday. Yeah. I've foretold, foretold what's going to happen tomorrow, so I'm... I'm getting ready to make my escape after tomorrow. Where are you going and are you looking forward to it? Uh, yes, I am. I'm going, yes. And uh, and I think we can come up with some better adjectives for the, the description for Tuesday's performance, but I'll keep the powder dry at the moment. Well, yeah, I think there'll be plenty of time for that later and we don't want um, members of the Blackpool FC coaching set up to get frustrated at the language we're using. Um, I'm sure Sean has already had Enough of that. Um, it was so a now, of possession, Connor, let's be fair. <laughs> so now, with the benefit of hindsight and time, we're going to look back at the game against Preston and the seven main talking points, starting, as ever, with the lineup, which I'll bring onto screen now. Um, provoked a fair bit of kind of confusion and concern, I guess, when it first came out. Um Tim, what struck you about it? I think everybody was disappointed that we didn't have either Sterling or or or, or Gabriel because that was a huge, huge loss. Um, in that he just robbed us for me of all attacking intent from the from the wide fullback positions. And then when you see, we all thought Stewart had been withdrawn for cautionary purposes on on Saturday. And and uh, yet sick note strikes again, and he's he's out and sick, possibly even out for the season, from what uh, reports I've seen. So that was a huge, huge blow because all of a sudden you're parachuting Ethan Robson in, who um, 
with 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 the best will in the world has not got what you would consider to be established championship credentials for holding down a midfield berth, and that's me being as polite as I can be about it. Um, so I then look for four of the forward, and I'm looking at we're, play, we're effective at playing one up front. Uh, I didn't think I, th- I was convinced. I think we all were on the preview show. Um, and when we spoke about it, um, that uh, CJ Hamilton would make way for Keshi and that we'd play two up top, and yet we've ended up in a situation, and we're going to discuss how that how it didn't work, uh, uh, no doubt, but with um, effectively Medina isolated up front. And so to say I was singularly unimpressed. In fact, I, I text Tom Harrison, who was on the previous show, and said, home win guaranteed. And that was pre-match, so I, I, it's not with the benefit of hindsight. Okay, Tom. Tim boasting, Tim boasting his prophetic abilities there. Um, Matt, what was your reaction? Well, the shape was sort of what I thought we might try after being sort of pretty dismal against Forest. But the people within the shape weren't who I thought we might try within that shape, if that makes sense. Obviously, Robson threw me. Um, I, like Tim said, I, I, I didn't think CJ would start. Um, and, and yeah, the stuff about the fullbacks, um, exactly as Tim said. Um, I, I did wonder if he might uh, bring James in just because he's about the only fullback we've got fit who can who kind of gets forward and, and, and delivers the ball. Um, and I'm wondering where the hell Charlie Kirk's gone because I quite fancied seeing Keshi in the, in the number 10 role. But I'm wondering where Kirk's gone because if you're going to play Medine up front, it, it sort of makes sense to play the only player we seem to have that can cross a football. Um, so it was it was kind of shape wise. It, it it sort of was what I thought he might do, but not with the people. Yeah, I guess kind of one thing that really I think the problem is that the problem with the fullbacks, particularly in the right back, is that even if either Gabriel or Sterling were fit there. You know, if they could just put the kit on and do the job, you know, it didn't have to be spectacular. That then frees Callum Conley up to go into the midfield so you don't have to play Ethan Robson. But, you know, having to use a third-choice right-back who we prefer to use in midfield, and it just feels like the entire shape falls apart as a result. And Do, do you know, do you know I, I, Connor, I, I would have actually gone for three at the back... Uh, and then and, and and winged it a bit rather than do what we did because we like you say we, we've 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 robbed Peter to pay Paul effectively by shoving Callum in at right back when he would have done a far better job. It, listen, I actually thought he did okay at right back, but he isn't an he isn't attacking fullback. He's a very much a defensive one, uh, and I think he'd have, he'd have done far better in midfield. And if we'd had to compromise how we played the back where we had the back three, or even if, even if you end up playing someone like. Marv out of position at right back to achieve the objective that would have been better than what we did. Then who would be your like right wing back in that system? It'd have to be, it'd arguably have to be Bowler, wouldn't it, in that scenario, which isn't ideal. But um, I was saying this, you've got to think about the way you. What we've done is we've we've lost we've lost our best midfielder, our second best midfielder, depending on what people think, is having a bit of a rough time at the moment after coming back from Australia. And we've paired him, who had his worst game probably all season on Saturday, with a player who has a lack of championship credentials being polite. So we've given the midfield away completely to cover an issue we've got at right-back. And for me, I don't think right-back is the hardest position in the world to play. 
Um, and I think it would have been better compromising on the right-back spot than what we did, which is to massively compromise on the centre midfield. I don't, that's my gut reaction. And, and I, that, was my, that was pre-match, never mind post-match. I thought, Jesus, we've ended up, we've had to move the player who could have done a job in midfield to right-back to cover the fact we haven't got either of our right-backs available. But surely there's a better option than shoving him there and compromising centre midfield massively. And that's what we did. But that's what happened. I mean, I think we saw that during the game. We just were, were shockingly bad in, in the centre and mid. Yeah. And I don't think, I think, I think we've been, I think we've been poor in the midfield since January, since we've lost Ryan Wintle. Like I feel like it was a position where it didn't feel possible to necessarily compromise more. And lo and behold, we found it, which is unfortunate. Um, Sean, you know, Tim saying he would have gone free at the back here. Steve in the comments saying he would have actually gone far more attacking on Tuesday and maybe more defensive against Forest. Now, what are your thoughts? Do you agree, you know, maybe more focus on defensive solidity or would you like to see more attacking lineup? Um, I mean, I, w- I would have gone 4 4 2. I think I-, I was quite surprised actually that we didn't kind of stick with the 5 4 1 against Forest because I thought out of teams that we've played, recently prior to the international break thinking of Sheffield United for example we come up against a similar unit there and we could probably have played that same system and it would have worked a bit better but I mean we were, we had our moments against Forest, I guess um but against Preston I'd have gone 4-4-2 um it, it is personnel wise we were a bit hampered because I guess the the thing is that even Robson is a natural central midfielder he's not been particularly a very good one but Whereas Callum Connolly, perhaps you could probably say he can partially play right back. He wouldn't. I think if you've give up, give up, give up the wing back positions for Josh Bowler, for example, I think we just get overrun in a different area of the pitch. I think either way, we're kind of getting overrun if we're performing in that manner. I just don't. I wouldn't potentially trust Bowler's play wing back. Um, I would have gone four four two, as I say. I think for me, it, we were up against a very tough midfield three. I thought that Ben Whiteman, for example, was brilliant, but. It was our inability to play out under pressure and we kept trying to force the same sort of patterns of play playing out from the back. Essentially, Preston would sit off. They'd wait for the trigger of when Keogh or Marv would play into to Dougal or Robson and they'd just get dispossessed time and time again. But we kept repeating the same cycle, making the same mistake time and time again in the game. And I thought generally if we'd have just kind of mixed our play up a bit, I don't think we would have won anyway because of the quality out wide. As as Matt says, Charlie Kirk for me is the is the best crosser of a ball probably in terms of natural wingers, and he could well have played there. But obviously, I'd have put Keshi on the left and then played uh, Shane Lavery up top with with Medine. But I don't think we win that game no matter who plays. Personally, if we, if we're playing in that that manner, but um, I think generally, if you're looking at Central midfield was was always going to be the key against them because, as I say, Ben Whiteman, Alan Brown, to an extent, that these are good combative players, and and they showed that, and that was the difference, really. There's a good shout in the comments. Uh, Matthew Warren has just said James could play it right back, and if you want to get Connolly in the centre, um, which he did play when um, Connolly got sent off at Millwall, and he was really good at right back for about 60 minutes in that game because it came after he'd been hopeless in central midfield yeah. for ages, and everyone was like, "James, what have we signed him for? He's the worst player ever." And then he he played it right back, and he was really good. Yeah, but how playing Dujon at Sterling, Dujon Sterling at left back, everyone's like, yeah. "Oh, maybe there's a player in Dujon Sterling." <laughs> That's that's the key to getting the best out of your players is you play them out of position. But the reality is actually when Dujon has then gone back to right back, having played left back, he's actually looked better at yeah, right back uh, than he did yeah. before he went to left back. Yeah. If that's not 
if that's not too bizarre. But I think it's they're going to left back seem to bring more out of him, and I think he's actually got more confidence as a result. I don't, I don't want to get tied up in a Dujon debate, but I, I think part of why we've got a bit of a downer on Dujon at right back is because it means Gabriel's not playing, and we all love Gabriel. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, you know. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, this whole moving players around, it feels like a very extreme version of what they're now doing in youth coaching where they rotate all the kids around the pitch so you all feel confident playing in a variety of different positions. Dutch were doing that that in the 70s. (laughs) It's just Critchley going back to coaching basics to get the best out of his players. Oh, football, isn't it? All right, so 10 minutes in. um, Preston break. I need to change my banner here. Um, and another, don't really care which one, plays the ball just a little bit too long. Um, Grimmy comes out to collect it like a hero and collides with Archer, who is chasing the ball. Um, looks like Grimmy gets a knee to the face, and as a result, he has to be stretched off with a with a concussion. Chris Maxwell comes on. I think the first and probably most obvious question that I spent a lot of the game shouting at or you know frustrated about was, did Archer mean it? And should he have been sent off for it? I think if the referee had been stood where we were, as against where he was, I think there's a chance he'd have got sent off. The, the, interestingly, there's a, somebody put a YouTube video up showing Tony Cunningham back in the 1987 game, and he got sent off for a far, what I thought looked a far less innocuous challenge on the Preston keeper at the old cop end and the home fixture than 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 archers on on Tuesday night. I think he left his foot in. Um you know when the keeper's gone down like that, I would suggest the 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 usual thing to do is to jump over them. And he didn't. And I think he did it. I, I generally think he did it deliberately from where I was. And and I don't like to see that. And he then theatrically rolled around on the floor to suggest that he'd been injured as well. And that probably I think that helped save him. But I do believe the ref was, wasn't particularly well positioned and I don't blame the ref for not doing anything about it because I don't think he saw the best angle on it. Assuming he did it intentionally, which is an assumption, would you say that was to leave one on Grimshaw to win a penalty or it's irrelevant why he did it? I just think, I just think my gut reaction is that Ryan Lowe's told him to go out there and put it about a bit and, and I don't think he's gone to cause that injury. I just think he's gone in there to to make sure Grimshaw knows that he's he's there and he's physical and and it's just led to an injury that's resulted in Grimshaw having to be stretched off and go to hospital. So I'd, I'm not I'm not sat here saying that he's deliberately intended to cause that injury because I don't think anybody actually I don't believe many players maybe Roy Keane accepted goes out to actually nobble somebody to a degree that they get that they have to be stretched off. Um, however, I do believe it was a deliberate leaving. He didn't seem to have any particular concern afterwards either. He just kind no. of he rolled around for a bit and then wandered off. And and you know, I think often if it's that says a lot. If if it is a genuine accident, you see the player sort of down with the injured player, sort of showing concern for his fellow pro. Whereas Archer didn't really seem to show any, which perhaps suggested a guilty conscience to me. Okay. So, comments, Matt Warren thinks he should have been sent off, which was deliberate. Antonio is pointing out they made no effort to collide the collision, avoid the collision with Grimmy, um, Tim, as you say. 
Um, and this is the point because the keep, you know, this is the, this is like the unwritten rule of the game, isn't it? The keeper goes down, his head's on the floor, yeah. and and therefore the unwritten rule is you're not going to if you don't want to injure a fellow professional, you jump out of the way. It's not it's not foot against foot. It's not it, head against head. It it's, goes back it's foot the, against head. That unwritten rule goes back to the 30s, 40s, 50s, where you had keepers with broken necks, and I'm sure Sean will tell me who it was, but there was the Celtic keeper who was actually killed yeah. in a game um, in, in a circumstance like that. And that, that rule is there for a reason, where, you know, there's Bert Troutman, obviously, famously, in the, in the whatever it was, 51 or 48 cup final, and it wouldn't be 48 or 51 because we were in them, but whatever cup final it was. But, you know, the, the keepers have had some horrendous injuries when you go back to the days when they when they weren't protected. And I think, like you say, that unwritten rule, it's a bit like cricket where, you know, there's things you just don't do because they could actually kill someone. And it, I, I, I must admit, I, I found the... I found that 10 minutes quite disturbing because there was a period where he just wasn't me. I said to him, yeah, hey, was not get out when they got the oxygen out. Yeah. And he yeah. hadn't moved and he was just, he was lying there and it was like, and they were moving him so carefully. And I was thinking, what the hell's going on here? I was just going to say a general point on it. Um, obviously, Critchley spoke about it today. I think one thing that really, as an aside to the whole issue that happened, is is the way that Blackpool have dealt with the head injury in general and, and how careful they're being with Grimshaw. I'm quite passionate about the, the sort of dementias links to football and, and things like that, that that have sort of come to the former often. And obviously it's Tony Park's celebration uh, tomorrow and he's kind of a, a victim of, of, of this kind of thing. And um, I think that the way that the club are really protecting Grimshaw, putting no time scale on his return, he's as slow as he wants it. They're going to take absolutely no risk with it. And he was talking about how he'd quite like to see temporary concussion substitutions brought in because um, quite a lot of the industry experts don't believe that the current format is fit for purpose in terms of concussion subs. They believe that there should be temporary substitutions where a player goes off, gets assessed by an independent doctor away from any of the medical staff. And then is after they've been assessed, if they're fit to come back on, they then return to the field. Um, and at the, at the moment, the, the concussion subs are still kind of in the hands of the, the football clubs themselves. And as much as Blackpool have been great on this issue and they clearly care very much about player welfare, not every club is of, of that mind. And I just think that was an yeah. important thing to note that, that Blackpool are kind of leading the forefront of, of this kind of thing. You kind of need something like the NFL where, you know, there is a set up, you know, independent set of medics there who can go, okay, you're clearly out of it. No matter what you say as a player and no matter what the manager says, we're taking you out of this game for now. And crucially, at least the set up there is that the NFL, they actually can find, you know, teams that don't follow that. You know, there's very serious penalties. Interesting. Tom's just said that. In the, in, Tom, Tom was on the, on the, on the previous, just said that on the chat. Very, very, just basically the same point you've made, Connor. And um, I'm not into the uh, NFL, but I can, it, it seems completely logical to me, particularly yeah. at the higher levels of the game. Yeah. Now, David's saying he doesn't think Grimmie will be back this season. Sean, you're saying they're not putting a time frame on his return. Um, but Leanne makes an excellent point in the comments as well that Creamy's been really, really amazing. And Sean, you talked about how a lot of our build-up felt quite stale in this game. When I think about Grimshaw compared to Maxwell, distribution of the balls was a large piece of that. You know, how much do you think Maxwell coming on had an impact on the game? And how big a miss will Grimmy be for the foreseeable future? I think I think generally I thought Maxwell dealt with it really well. To be honest, I think to to come back out of the blue, 
you're in a stadium where fans despise you by the thousands and it's a massive occasion. You're kind of on the back foot in the game already. So you've got to have an element of, of sort of composure about you because you could quite easily fall on your backside as, as many people do. But yeah, I think it's a good point about the, the distribution. But I think that it, I feel like Grimshaw comes into his own when we're set up to play on the counter-attack. And I think we were trying to control possession in the sort of, sort of a ponderous way where it wouldn't have mattered who was in, in goal. I don't think the the distribution really mattered because we weren't shifting the ball from left to right with any sort of purpose to disrupt Preston's setup. We were passive, as I say, in terms of it was the same patterns every time. It was Epiteta to Keo. Keo would then feed it into one of the central midfielders. That's the thing. I think Preston would just Preston accepted it. They allowed us to have possession. Um, that's why I, I think I take umbrage with the fact that perhaps we controlled the game. You can control possession all you like. We saw what Swansea did at, at Bloomfield Road. It's Preston, as soon as we they saw that Dougal or Robson were going to get the ball, that's when they triggered to press every single time without fail. And we just didn't have the quality in the final third in terms of crossing out from wide areas to make a difference there. And we never looked like we were going to break through them in possession either. So there's some garbage balls played into Dougal and, and Robson, I have to say. 100%. Well, that, 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 that's the thing. And then, then, they, get, then they get criticised for losing it. And then, listen, I'm not... I'm not gonna I'm not gonna flag flag away for either of them on the base of that performance, but Jesus Christ, the number of times they received the ball with their back to our goal and with a pressing player right on the backside and they had no time to do anything. And then something, you know, the pressing player can see what's going on, comes in behind them, disrupts what they're doing, and then everybody's like, I got a bit annoyed actually on on Tuesday with the way people slagging off Dougal in particular. Um, because I'd I've sort of some of the balls to him were awful. Um no, you're okay. I do think sometimes that shows the the next step in class of a central midfielder because I would have, if say Kevin Stewart was on the pitch, I would have seen him probably take on the ball in that tight area under pressure and do something with it. I think that's that's where you have so you have to take on the mantle at some stage. It, as much as there were some terrible balls into him consistently, there were times where you were looking for him to to make that to, to try and do something on the turn and try and make something happen, thread a ball through the midfield and. We just weren't brave enough. Yeah, but he's, he's not for me. Alison, he's not Kevin Stewart, is he? And 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 that's the reality situation. Yeah. He isn't as good as Kevin Stewart as a player. The difference with with Dougal is that you get forty games out of him, not four. It's fourteen, <laughs> and 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 that's the issue. You know, Kevin Stewart is well based on our experience. He's never going to be a consistent player in the side, and that and that's where he becomes a problem. He becomes a conundrum for Critchley as regards what he does. But we are a poorer team without Kevin Stewart in it, without a shadow of a doubt. I actually think Dougal and him work quite well together. I think paired Dougal with Robson, and 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 Dougal's having to step up into a in, in, into performing a role that he's not comfortable with doing. Yeah, he's having to he's he's having to be the the, Stewart. Use the word more sophisticated. Yeah. Like he can't just do his kind of screening, protect yeah. the space. He's a water. He's, ca- really he's the water. Ca- he's yeah. the water carrier of the midfield, as I see. You know the old Didier Deschamps at Chelsea sort of argument, isn't it? As to as regards what what role he's performing. Um, he is. He isn't a playmaker. He isn't the player who's going to change the game for you. He's going to. He's going to receive it. And he's going to pass it short. That's what he's going to do. Well, it's a deeper question isn't it, about the makeup of the squad because I think what Sean said there is true. There was a real lack of risk taken, as much as and and that lack of risk actually put us under pressure because you, you're absolutely right in what you describe. You know, pass it along the back, pass it along the back again, wait for uh, you know any 
wait for Preston to 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 close down and get into ranks, pass it to the midfield, get dispossessed, um, or the midfield pass it back to the defence, repeat until get dispossessed. That was kind of the pattern of the game because nobody would take it on the turn or or, or do anything. But we don't have those players in the squad. You know, we we just don't have those risk takers in central midfield we've got a lot of water carriers in the squad and Stewart is a very good player but even Stewart is I think more of a water carrier than he is a creator to be honest he's a very good water carrier um, he can carry more water what am I looking for he can carry more barrels of water than anybody <laughs> else but nonetheless I can't see Stewart skinning three and and sort of doing a one-two and putting it in the bottom corner which which is the kind of midfield play we just don't have apart from Sonny Carey who's a kid who's straight out of non-league football but I think arguably even our creative players um, didn't really do that this game you know I you know when I think about the way Preston's goal was scored, you know, after we'd looked ropey for a bit, et cetera, you know, it's Keshi charging forward, you know, rather than trying to make something happen, in my opinion, goes down a bit too easily and tries to win a foul rather than doing the hard yards. Um, ref doesn't give the foul. Preston sweep up the pitch. We don't make tactical fouls that we probably should. And as a result, Archer is able to, to score. Um, We're a bit naive I, there, aren't we? Because I tell you what, every team we play does those tactical fouls and more often than not gets away with them. We, we, I, I don't, maybe Kyo being the exception, I don't see that we do it. And, and you talk about, you talk about the, the, the creative players or lack of creative creation as the case was on Tuesday. But that left-hand side with DJ was just, how he stayed on at half time, bearing in mind the way that game was playing out and why we didn't change it then is beyond me. I really do not get it because it was it we were carrying we were carrying a player on that side. We've we've then got Keshi up front who bless him, he's just back, but he's also started Ramadan and, and I don't know the, the intricacies, but as I understand it, they don't eat between sunrise and sunset at this stage in Ramadan. So the assumption, and he's and he's and he's a practicing Muslim, so you've got to assume that he's not eating the way he should do. So he's playing an evening game, I've not eaten most of the day, which can't be ideal for starting. And the bowler has the worst game uh, decision-wise that you're ever going to see him have. So oh, all over, it was like a car crash all over. I, and Medine's left I, isolated up front because Keshe's having to drop deep to try and make up for the deficiencies in midfield. So I'm you've got the biggest car crash in the world, haven't you? Keshe's also, also playing a position that he's never actually played well in. You know, I mean, Sean's probably, I can see the steam coming out of his ears, but <laughs> has he ever actually played well at number 10? I don't remember him giving a particularly, you know, but game. Once in, once in league one with Jerry. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Once, yeah. Did he do a bit of Sheffield United, to be fair? Was he not playing that? The well, he's still ten playing off then? the left. He was still playing off the left because when he plays off the left, he kind of drifts into that 10 role and then he drifts out of it. And he's... And he's He's so canny in that role because he 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 doesn't play left wing. He'll come into to sort of the the ten role and he'll go out to the left and he'll come but, a bit deep and there's a lot of movement. Sorry, Connor, I think I talked out here. No, but anyway, I completely get it. Right, also like aside from this obviously being your agenda to bring Sully Kai Kai back, um, <laughs> you know he's not playing with the players around him that you need as a ten to be successful. Like when I think about what a ten's meant to do, it's clever passes, intricate passing combinations to bamboozle the, the opposition. And you're just not going to do that with CJ Hamilton, who at times is a bit of a pace merchant. Gary Medine, who 
for all his qualities, I still think of more as a headballer than a footballer. And then Josh Bowler, who maybe has the potential for intricate passing combinations if he ever made the decision to actually pass the ball. Like that just isn't a setup in terms of a front you, three where you're going to be successful as a 10. Do you feel like we're going back to trying to play the heavy possession-based football that we did at the start again because we've got little to play for and we're going well, to try and utilise this time to then go into the summer and try and finally build the formation that he's always wanted to play, this, the football I, he's always wanted to play? I noted in the Forest game that I felt like we weren't going, we weren't as direct as we have been. You know, if you look at the numbers, we are actually, we have been a very, and a reasonably effective direct team. Um, And we seem to, I said in the, in the Forest um, review show that it seemed like we were determined to map, it was like, oh, they're going to pass it about, we'll pass it about too. Um, and that that also kind of seemed the way. I mean, obviously we went very direct towards the end out of desperation, but yeah, I think that's, that's probably quite an astute observation that it, 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 it and it may, and we'll get onto the post-match comments later, but it maybe explains why Critch possibly saw it differently than every other fan in, in I, the I ground. Think, I think that's what he was getting at from, from what he said. Yeah. I think that, I think that's the general perception is that perhaps he's looking for control of a game now because we've got, I feel like we reach a level where we're like, Oh, we're playing really well. So now we can try this kind of thing. And we, we seem to go through a cycle of it throughout the time he's, he's been in charge. And then we inevitably go back to a more balanced, adapted system. But we, I think we all know that eventually the, the long-term aim is that because that's what we were told we were going to get when we first, when he first joined the club. So yeah, that's, I think that's where he was getting at. But again, you hear Russell Martin talk like that. And for me, I think Russell Martin needs to adapt slightly as much as it's an enjoyable form of football when it's working and it's it's at a fast tempo. When it's at a slow laboured pace, it's it's really not worth doing because especially against a team in the way that Preston set up, you're playing right into their hands because you, they're quite happy for your centre-backs to have the ball. You've not got the quality to disrupt the shape of, of Preston, which we didn't on the day. And you're going to have more games like this than, than not if you if you continue to play that. with this squad of players. Whether we then go out and sign, God knows who who are able to put that in practice. But I, for me, I don't think that in the championship you're going to be able to do that week in week out as a team like us with with our budget and our and be able to be successful generally in in a season. Point made. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I'm going to move the conversation from. Your sophistication to push on to my absolute pure behavior. Um, Matt, on a scale of one to Piers Morgan, how much of a prick is Cameron Hotcher? Um, I'm trying to think of someone who's more of a prick than Piers Morgan. Um, <laughs> he is. Um, who do I really dislike? Not really. I, I, Boris is up there for me. Well, no, I'm trying to think of somebody worse than Boris. Um, who I really, really dislike. He's George Osborne. I can't stand George Osborne. <laughs> he makes me. He makes me go cold inside. Just <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah. He's a great. I. I. My point on this is that if. I kind of go, do you know what, fair play, because if we'd have done the exact, bar the Grimshaw thing, obviously, but if we'd have had a player that went over and shushed, if Gary Medina had gone over and shushed the entire Preston end and scored the winner in that game, we'd have all been lapping it up. You always want one of those sorts of players in your side. And I think generally, like Tim said before, I think they were sent out in, in that way. They knew this game was, you saw how poor they were in the two games leading up to our game, and then suddenly they've turned it on. They They were all about this game and, 
I think it's essentially it's not. Lowen apparently told them, you're not having your days off. If you don't win this, you're not having your days off. Even I, Sean, if Gary Medina had hospitalised the opposition keeper, you know, concern for him. I might have questioned whether my, my own... Questioning worship of Gaz needed a little bit of a review. I don't know. I think that's the I context. I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered yeah. about somebody running past us giving it. You know, giving it that. That's that. That's football in it. But when you've just when you've just hospitalised someone and seen them go off on a stretcher getting oxygen and and you seem to be kind of reveling in the circumstance, I think that's what made me think he's a prick. Yeah, Matt doesn't mind if you do your fighting and your punching off the pitch, but if you come onto the pitch and start throwing your weight around, that's when that's when you're going to be on the pale. As far as going <laughs> and, who, and, who, and who and who's in the esteemed our, our esteemed uh, podcasters um, rather glum face as the Preston oh, yeah. uh, well, Preston players <laughs> yeah. are celebrating in front of the Blackpool fans. Our own Joe Atherton's looking a little bit glum, to say the least. Um, so, uh, Joe, he's taking a bit of stick off the Preston fans, I think, for it, but he's mm-hmm. taking it in good spirit, which is good. He is indeed, yeah. Taking the comments about him being really disappointed with the goal. <laughs> in good spirit. Um, Tom has piped up saying that he thinks Gary Medine is indeed too good for this level. Even for Villa. Not sure where the Villa specific bit of Gary Medine <laughs> in the premise has gone, but Holy uh, Villa. Tom, you're welcome to join Club Gary at any point. There we go, being a good sport. Um, we'll move on to the halftime changes. Uh, apparently, no halftime beer. Um, Tim, I know you had strong opinions on the fact there were no heart changes at halftime earlier. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I sometimes think Critch is too concerned about the impact on the individual player of making a halftime substitution, and and I've managed, albeit at very low levels in junior football, and but you are you are you're conscious of the impact that you have on on the player and psychologically, if you yank somebody at halftime. But the reality was in that game that it was obvious before half time and at half time that that system needed to change and and not just the system but the personnel within it needed to change. And the difficulty is when you leave it to 60 65 minutes which inevitably we always do, you are losing 20 minutes of the initiative to try and turn the game around. We needed to go back to 4-4-2. It was blatantly obvious that we need to do that and it was blatantly obvious that we need to get Keshi on the left and get CJ off, who was quite frankly just a passenger. As far as I'm concerned, and, and if other people have different views, fair enough. But he was a passenger. And if you're not going to change it at half time and you're going to leave it 65 minutes, you're losing half the half. You've got to try and put things right. And I found that incredibly frustrating in professional football that I can only think the concern was that I don't want to damage the confidence of a player by yanking him at half time. It's professional football at the end of the day, not kids' football. Yeah, and I think the, the the squad are well aware. They always get thrown out of it. They could have had a 9 out of 10 the game before and they'll get changed and swapped to the game after. So I think they're well aware of the fact that, you know, that no one's position's safe. So I don't think it's... no. At the end of the day, if you can't handle that, then as you say, why, why, are, you in, why are you in football? So for me, there was two changes and I think that Matty Virtue had two 45 minutes in uh, during the international break and two behind closed doors games. So it's not like he couldn't handle another one. So I'd have put him on at half time for Robson and I'd have, I'd have brought on Blavery for CJ Hamilton and shifted Keshi out 4 4 2, which is what we eventually did. Um, but a- again, it's more, for me, it's more 
be approached because if we're just going to continue in the same manner in which we were with the, the sort of laboured approach, then we could have done anything and it wouldn't have changed it. It was the fact that we... We, we, if Keshi had about 45 minutes down the left wing and we were kind of playing a bit more direct because we just needed to because we weren't playing it well in, in possession we were struggling on the ball in it, and we just needed to play in behind that midfield and just get in behind that midfield as much as you could do and obviously if Medine had a, someone to knock it down to or someone to occupy another defender then that would have been the, the way to go and obviously Keshi outside with the quality that he's got he'd be able to put in more deliveries that's the way we we needed to go but the thing is obviously even when we made the changes we were still approaching the game in the same way we were still playing the ball out from the back very slow and laboured and sort of shifting the ball side to side not getting anywhere so I think that was for me where it as much as it was personnel it was it was as much the approach as well. Well, I think also there's, there's a couple of things in that Ke- uh, CJ is 27. He's not a kid, you know, the, the, he, he shouldn't need protecting. And two, it's the second successive game in which he's had the least touches of the ball in our in our lineup. And in both games, Bowler, who has done very little in both games, has actually had over twice as many touches as CJ has, which shows that even in a poor game, Bowler's making himself available and at least occupying the other team. And I think CJ just just vanishes. And we, we were so imbalanced, you know. And and in both of those games, the player who's had the most touches, I talked about this last time, is husband. Now, if there's one player in the side who you don't want to sort of leave having to come up with doing something with the ball himself, it's, it's husband. And yet by playing CJ in front of him and leaving CJ in front of him, you're exposing husband's weaknesses, which is that he's, you know, he's a solid defender. He's certainly not a creative flying fullback. Do you, do you remember that point, uh, Matt, where he, uh, it, it, husband got really, really frustrated, didn't he? And he absolutely ball at the players in front of him because the ball had come out to him and he literally had no one to pass yeah. to. And I, I felt like... He went, say, one point. he went ape shit at him. But yeah. every time all CJ ever does, when it, it, listen, you know, if you play fullback and, you, and you're coming forward, you 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 want and Bowler does this. You you come inside, you go outside, but you don't make it easy for the opposition. All that CJ ever does is hug the touchline. And the yeah. problem when you hug the touchline is you play the ball to him, and he's got a man on him. He's got nowhere to go, so he needs to come inside. But I don't think he's got the ability to come inside. And he needs to go. He needs to go outside, but we're not seeing that anyway. So the problem is, you've got an ineffective left midfield player who can't get past his man on the outside, doesn't show inside, and therefore that's why the ball's going down the right for me more often because there's actually more options when you do. Now it might not come off, and and I thought Bowler's decision making was as bad as it was back in October, November last year when we were critical of him on, on Tuesday. But the reality is that he's showing inside and outside, not just one way. And if you know that player's going to stand on that touchline as a defender, it's like manna from heaven. You know exactly what to do. Um, and you just show him inside. He ain't going to go inside anyway. And he's going to go outside. And then you're going to tackle him. It's just like, it's the easiest the easiest thing to do as a fullback is to mark somebody when you know which way, which way they're going to go every single time. I completely agree with you. But I also think some of that isn't CJ's fault necessarily that's I think that's because that's the broader issue of just the squad like if you're not I remember the start of the season when our main attacking outlet was almost the opposite of what it is now and it was Garber and Keshi just being a creative force on the left and it was brilliant you know and I think about the 
second half of the season and how having Jordan Gabriel and Josh Bowler providing a threat on the right works, whereas this game, they knew Colin Connolly probably wasn't going to be a threat moving forward and they could just mark Josh Bowler out the game, double out upon him, etc. You know, and if you've not got anybody in the middle offering any kind of creative threat, again, you can just, you know, sit back, you know, not worry about, you know, make sure you're not leaving any space in behind for CJ to exploit. You're not having players like Jordan Fornley who can ping long balls over the top to him, you know, switch the play to the left, etc. really well. And it just feels like it was it felt like we expected CJ and Bowler to have a lot more space than they did. But because of the, the lineup we set sent out and because of our tactics in the game, they instead were just completely marked out, were never able to be free. And we never had anything in the middle of the pitch to compensate for that either. Made it easy for him, didn't we? We did. I want a game to do it in. Uh, yeah, clapstick saying we are all too predictable in that regard. Um, I'm going to challenge the point here and which the subs should have been made earlier because actually, you know, I think even if we'd made these subs at half time in terms of virtue coming on, um, switching to a four, four, two, etc., when we did that from the 65th minute onwards, it still didn't look to me like we were ever going to score. We were ever going to come close to something resembling a goal. So, you know, well, hang on a minute. When did, when did Yates come on? I thought it was about the 80th minute when Yates came on. Well, we switched to a 4-4-2, I think, with the first sub in the 65th minute. For me, you, you sub that you... Yeah, you didn't come on until the 81st minute. Sorry, Sean, no. carry on. Yeah, the sub that you want is Charlie Kirk, because Charlie Kirk can deliver a ball in the box if we can win a set piece. If we can just win a set piece off them and try and get the ball into the box from a corner, Charlie Kirk's there, he can put a good ball into the box. If you're just going to play Medine up top by himself, then you need someone who can deliver across. And even on the best form that he's been in, CJ Hamilton doesn't strike me as someone that can consistently. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Deliver quality deliveries into the box. And yeah, that was the strange one for me because I didn't see any stage in the game in which we would turn to Owen Dale. So it seems like a waste of a, a substitute place almost when you've it's got Kirk, someone there. It's Kirk injured. It's no, Kirk injured. No, 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 no. Jesus. Well, it, I, it's an alternate. I get, I get why one or the other wouldn't be on the bench because I think we set up the bench in the in case we went to the four four two, and obviously you need two strikers on the bench in that sense, just in case. And then you kind of look at the makeup of the bench generally, and you've got a centre half, you've got a left back, you've got a centre mid. Then you need a winger, one of Dale or Kirk, and they kind of just alternate a lot. The one thing I noticed with with Virtue, which and, and uh, you know, it's, you can't judge him on, on the time he'd on the pitch. But you're you're automatically seeing a, a midfielder is more direct than than what we what we had before, and he, for me at least he was 
Somebody said, was it you, uh, Matt? Because we and Matt ended up sat next to each other. Was it you said he's got a face like an angel, but he's yeah. a dirty bar steward? It was along those lines, wasn't it? And, it, you know, and, and but I do, you, what you do get with virtue is somebody who will actually drive forward with the ball a bit more. And, and... it's box to box, isn't he? And mm. uh, uh, that's well, critically said, actually. He said that he brought him on because he thought he would be someone that could provide a goal towards the edge of the box. He's he, he scored goals for us in the past in that, in that way. Obviously, we, we were talking pre match about how Connolly can arrive in the right place at the right time at the moment in terms of going forward in, in central midfield. And I think that virtue is a similar type of player to that. So, having that mobility thing, in midfield, obviously the game's more stretched as well, also helps. The other thing about Virtue is he's the one central midfielder we've got who's not scared of going beyond the ball. He'll actually run. He'll make runs for another central midfield player. But whoever we pair up seemed to... You know, there were times against Forrest where I got really frustrated with Stuart and Dougal because they would pass. They would literally be in this, on the halfway line and one of them would pass to the other. And you go, why, why, why are you? Why are two of you stood within three yards of each other and then playing a square pass to each other? One of you needs to move and make the space for the other. And virtue, you know, he was on for nine minutes or something, but he ra- he ran in. I watched him run into both corners ahead of a midfielder, showing for the ball. You know, pulling players around. And I mean, you know, come on, Matty Virtue is not going to be. He's not going to win the Ballon d'Or in his career. But it was really <laughs> nice to see, uh, as I suppose Tim's to use the word, a dynamic midfield player whose first thought was not caution. Going back to what we said about, we, we, you know, the problem with the Preston game is we took no risks. Virtue took some risks. He risked getting caught out of position. He risked not being back into the sort of four-five-one defensive shape in order to try and open up something. Um, in, in and, he, way, and, he, and he let his foot in. He left his yeah, foot in. Like, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, to, yeah. just totally. to mix it up a bit, because we, yeah. we, we, we were, too, I thought we were too nice on Tuesday night. They weren't. Hey, they were horrible. I think that when you when you want to play that way, you like you have to create overloads all the time. You look at the way not not Nottingham Forest constantly looked like they had a man extra in wide areas and things like that. And virtue, as you say, is someone that's going to get about the pitch and create those things. So then perhaps there is space that opens up for either or CJ or Bowler at times, and you need that that constant sort of interchanging movement. And the minute you're static in your positions is is where it goes wrong. And virtue is someone that will never be. You could call him any name under the sun, but you're never going to call him static because he's just constantly on the move somewhere on the pitch. No, completely agree. And a lot of praise in the comments of Virtue as well. Dennis saying he did well. Um, Steve saying it was good to see him back and thinks he should start tomorrow. We'll see if you agree, guys, when we do the lineup. And then Mike also saying, again, he's dynamic. He got stuck on. And crucially, as you're saying, Tim, he showed a bit more fight than the rest of the team. Now, we shall move on to Critchley's press reaction um, and, I guess, comments um, after the match, which we may or may not agree with, and then we'll have a brief discussion about policing. So, I guess, Sean, being the person in the press conferences, hearing it from Source, do you mind just giving everyone a bit of a recap of how Critch saw the game? Yes, obviously, he said generally he felt like we we were the better team in the game, Um and he felt like we controlled stages of the game. Um, he obviously said that the final third quality was woeful, which we, we could all see, and that was the difference maker. 
Um, I, I think the the way that he's, as I said, kind of touched on before, I feel like when he's saying control, he's mean, meaning the fact that we've had this possession-based game and he's kind of judging it differently to us. He's judging it over this longer-term sort of ideal of what he'd like to see us play. But ultimately, for me, possession without purpose isn't control. You can control a match without having the ball. I think that's that's the key point here is pressing controlled the second half without really touching the ball that often because they were happy to sit in, wait for to trigger the right presses, and they caught us caught us every time. And that's control of a football match. It doesn't have to be ponderous possession because in that case, then Swansea would control yeah, every so, single so, football Swansea match. Swansea is, exactly, was, is exactly. the analogy, yeah. isn't it? It's the analogy is there. In that you know Swansea and 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 you know we had uh, we had them bleating about how much possession they had, but they did nothing with it, yeah. and we had twenty five, twenty four, twenty five percent possession, and did a lot more with it. So uh, the reality is, possession in your last third is, is 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 has negligible impact. It always will have, and and always did have. So and and that's where all our possession was. It, it was it was never in their their third. It was never even in the middle third. Well, I think Tom said in a comment earlier on, he said, well, I think you, were, you we were happy to let you have the ball, you know, and look, I don't want to, um, I don't want to praise Preston if I can help it, but they didn't look up to an awful lot. You know, they, they, they didn't look a particularly great side, but they did look a damn sight more organised than they did in, in the in the game at Bloomfield. And they looked like they had a plan and that plan was simply to... It's what we've know. done to other teams, yeah, really. Is, exactly, is we've, yeah, we've, exactly. Is that exactly what we did to Swansea, essentially. And and numerous other teams earlier yeah. in the season, you know, Sheffield United away, we, we didn't yeah. have a lot of the ball that game. We we got a goal on the break and we, and we stuck tight and, and, and they were quite good at just stopping us playing. And, and, and you know, can, I don't know how Critch can say, oh, I think we were the better team when at any point, apart from before Kesh took that free kick and maybe for a split second after it looked, left his foot where it looked like he might have been quite good before it whistled over the top, I don't think at any point I thought, you know, I wasn't, you know, bracing myself thinking we were going to score. I wasn't, you know, I just remember Tim making this really... Noise, <laughs> and that just summed up how I felt because it just felt like we we got you know occasionally we we, we had a wander into their half and then then you know I don't know the, the, what summed it up was that point when um, husband had gone an overlap and we'd actually got to the byline and then husband just hooked it into the yeah. crowd. <laughs> it didn't even go. It didn't even go sort of towards the goal. Yeah, and we it thought it'd be deflected in heaven. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and I'm 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 very clear that you know I think we need to love husband for who he is, not wish he was someone else. But you know that just summed it up that that we did nothing, and I don't know how he can. Well, I, I know why he does it because he's trying not to slate players, but I think he could have he could have not slated players. He could have quite easily said, "Look, we had a lot of injuries. We tried something different. It didn't work as we wanted to, but you know, I'm I'm not going to slag the lads off because they, you know, they, they they tried and it didn't work out and it was a frustrating night for everyone. Thanks, good night." And I think everyone would have probably gone, "Yeah, all right, fair enough." But trying but, to say we were better than them. We need we need to call this as it is. It was probably one of the most abject away performances against Preston that any of us can ever remember. Mm. It was absolute excuse of vernacular dog shit it really was it's that's where it's at 
and you, you try and dress that up as we were the better team, it's just nonsense. Absolute but, nonsense. But I think there are I, mitigations that he could claim. You know, we've just spent ages trying to pick a team and go, oh, we could put the left back at right back. Yeah. And we, oh, true, know, true. I accept, accept, play, I accept it was compromised. I accept it was compromised. Yeah. But and at the end of the day, we weren't. Yeah. He doesn't, what I'm trying to say is he doesn't have to come out and say, that was absolute dog shit, it's shite, they're all spineless. No. Yeah, he doesn't have to say that. In yeah. football manager terms, he can just say, it was frustrating, we didn't play as he wanted to do, we tried something, you know, we were, we were. it was unfamiliar, the players in different places, I'm not offering excuses, but that's the way it was, thank you, good night, I think we'd have all gone fair enough, Gritch, yeah, fine. Because yeah. that's football manager speak for it was dog shit, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, yeah, it's, it's when you start talking about you, we were the better team. There's not one minute on that pitch where I thought we were the better team. Well, that, that, that's the thing, isn't it? I don't think we, we were ever in control of a minute of that football match, whether we had the ball or not. It was that, that's, that's the difference, I think, is that if, even if you're saying that we've controlled phases of the game or things like that, there wasn't, there wasn't a minute, like you say, where I felt we've got a grip of this now. Like we've, we've started to come into this now. It just wasn't, it wasn't the case. Yeah, I've got I to take issue with Steve in the comments. It was, they were poor. Preston were not good. And I think even Tom said there was, there was a, there was that, that, yeah. a, a one, a one isolated example of, of, of brilliance from a player who arguably shouldn't have been on the pitch. But the, the reality is that was the only, they weren't great. They were there for the taking, but we were awful. And there's they, no, there's no point in dressing it up. The I, fact yeah. that they weren't much better doesn't make it in a better exactly. performance exactly. by us. Because if so we put in that really form, performance, we put in that performance against Nottingham Forest again. We get we ship we ship goals for fun because you're constantly getting turned over. You play against a better team and put on that performance, then you're just going to lose by a, a number of goals. So it's, it's like, as you say, you can't judge it off of, off of the that's opponent. A, that's, that, the that's way the we point. play on Tuesday night is, is is a team that would not stay in the championship next year. Oh. And, that, and, that's, and, and that's the reality of that type of performance. It's not indicative of the way we've played all season. And that's why I think we're all so frustrated because the, the game that really matters or one of the games that really matters all season is compromised because we've compromised. We're not we're not helped by the, the the players we've got available, but it was spineless. It was pretty spineless. I've got to say, all over the pitch, I thought we just looked like we were. We, we most certainly did not want it as much as them. Now, whether that's down to management, whether that's down to personnel, or whether that's down to circumstance, whether it's down to players not being able to, you know, because the religious beliefs can't eat, and whether it's because players hug touch lines, whatever it might be, on players making wrong decisions all over the pitch. I can't think of a player other than I thought Keo sort of did all right. I'm, think, I'm, in at times. I'm struggling to think of players then who had a better game than any other game they've had in the last twenty. Yeah. And that and that is so frustrating as a Blackpool fan that you're going to Preston and every single player and all over the pitch has played crap. And that they have they have. They played crap. Yeah. It, we don't necessarily know if that's a... the players or if that's just the manager. Well no, no, we, the we point thing is I don't we don't know what the reasons are, but the frustrations are that it's not just one player. You look all the way around the pitch and every single player's had a had a pretty poor game. Completely. But... Well, the, frust- the frustration for me was we weren't playing well and nobody really apart from, I mean, Keo had a go, Jimmy had a go, like verbally at his teammates, but there was a lot of kind of players throwing their arms in the air and kind of players pointed like I wanted it there. And there was a lot of kind of what looked like abdicating of responsibility, lots of kind of, and that's not like us. We're, we're normally this unit that really fights for everything. 
and we just didn't do that. And 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 there wasn't that togetherness on the pitch. And and um, that I, I found that I, I got really irritated at players. And it wasn't one of them. I mean, it wasn't like it was I don't know Bolo who does it. He, he does that anyway. But it just felt like everybody was kind of point. There was blaming everybody know, else. Blaming yeah, everybody, everybody else. else and f- playing with fear. I don't necessarily think that we didn't try, but we didn't risk it. We didn't throw ourselves into that tackle. We didn't take one on the turn. We didn't do that run. And we didn't. And, and I actually felt a bit sorry for Keshi because he got slated. He didn't play well, but he sort of ran around trying to do things um, and it not really coming off. And at least he had a go. And I can't really think of anybody else that do you think really. Do you think you tried too much? Yeah, he probably did. I, I got probably the impression. Did. I got the impression that, that he's, he's meant to be doing this number ten role, but because we were, it wasn't happening further back in the left or in the middle. That he ended up trying to do too much, and the problem is, and that's because he's that the, the number ten bit wasn't working. But I actually, I, I don't actually think Keshi played badly. But I think the problem is if mm-hmm. if if you have I, listen, if you haven't eaten. You are always gonna gonna run out of steam a little bit, aren't you? you you're bound to. If if I don't eat for three hours or four hours, you, you, your tubby's grumbling, and you have to. So I I don't know. I don't I don't know whether Sean knows what the score is, what what the protocol is with players, because he's not the only one. There's plenty of players who 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 will be following the protocols of Ramadan. And I don't know whether they take supplements. I don't know what they do, but... They definitely take supplements because they were giving out... Um, there's like a, a charity that I saw that was sort of giving out sort of emergency packages to like players and things with like the sort of supplements and things that they can take and stuff. But um, to be honest, I don't know. So I, I, but, but he, he's I don't know. also hasn't... There's a lot been made about him being on Ramadan, but he also hasn't started a game for God knows yeah, how yeah. long. And, and, and I, you know, I, I must admit, I'd, I'd completely overlooked his faith and everything. And then when he started looking a bit leggy, I just thought, well, he hasn't bloody started for ages. You know, that's yeah. his... Yeah, I thought he was fine, personally. I, I thought he was he was fine because I just think that you, you've got... If you, if just the play generally isn't linking... Keshi's at his best when everything's linking together. You, you're playing it through him. And then the, so you've got the central midfielder that will take the ball and they'll play it through to Keshi. Keshi will then move it through the thirds. And I think that we were missing that. We were missing that sort of connectivity. So, hey, listen, I, I 100% agree. He he looked, he was the most effervescent of all our all our forward players throughout the game. So, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not actually leveling criticism at him. It didn't come. A lot of it didn't come off. But that, but at least he was trying. I, th- I felt that he was trying. I just I felt he was actually, if anything, trying too much for the reasons I, I alluded to before. So, Critch has been much less harsh in his comments on the players for maybe that maybe we have been here you know and Matt's alluded to that earlier and I think personally I think that's a good thing in that he didn't go you know the Jose Mourinho Antonio Conte I I can't win with these players who don't have the right mentality (laughs) route like I'm glad he hasn't done that but actually David made a good point in the comments and he's since come out and said you know we need you we need to address it over the summer we need more quality etc and I'm a bit torn. I can't decide if this shows a real kind of ambition from Critch that should be respected. But I'm also like a little bit worried, is this the start of Critch the Diva demanding new players when he's always been quite circumspect about that in the past? I, mean, I don't know, Sean, what do you think? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imagining Critch the Diva. Um, yeah, I think he probably he's looking at final third quality, isn't he? He's looking at someone that can deliver consistent quality, whether that's putting balls into the box or being able to create something out of nothing, which is very hard to come by. 
but I think I don't think he's particularly bothered about the, the sort of the back line or or further back in the pitch. That's I think we're we're pretty set there generally. I think in terms of like if you're looking for sheer quantity of players, but yeah, we we need this is the thing because I'm like, what are we going for? What because we're so adaptable all the time? What what is our style that we're planning recruitment about? Because well, are we play? Are we going for four four two direct? Are we going for four three three possession based? Are we going for five four one on the counter? It's so hard to build a squad if you're constantly going to adapt your system and formation and style of play. That is impossible. You just end up with a bunch of players that can kind of do a bit of everything. But if you're going to be, if you're going for a defined system, which I think he eventually he's going to want to do that because that's what he came in initially wanted to do. What is that, and how are you going to form the squad around that? And you have to stick to that. Then you can't divert and start playing direct for twenty minutes when it's not going John, to plan. John Stevenson's excellent book on recruitment, <laughs> uh, which I can re- recommend to everybody um, if you want to get to sleep quick. <laughs> it does make the point very early that it's absolutely fundamental to a football club's successful recruitment to have a defined playing f- philosophy and a very clearly defined playing philosophy. Um, and it is one thing that having read that book to, you know, to my uh, shame, I suppose. Having read that book, I, I have to, well, exactly as you say. What are we? You know, are we four four two? Bang it at Gaz on sort of. Are we four five one? You know, a little player like Jerry running around, and then three players moving across. Are we four five one more defense? It's it's very hard to tell what we really are, and 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 how do the recruitment team do their job? If that makes sense. I think the other thing we'll think about is what I would call second season syndrome, in that mm-hmm. in that we we've had um, a we've had a, a sustained period of success in relation to results starting October November two thousand twenty that gets us into championship, and I think probably that 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 sustained that that sustained period of, of winning on the pitch to a certain degree has probably won us a few games this year, but the problem is that starts for my. But the second season syndrome, I think it starts to level out a little bit when you when you when you find your level. And and I think we what our issue for next season is to make sure that that we're not just relying on that on that on that um impetus effectively from the fact that we keep winning games because it isn't going to keep continuing. And that performance on Tuesday was a relegation team performance for me, because I don't think Preston Preston I'm gobsmacked Preston as high up in the league as they are, because I think they're pretty poor. Um, and I think they benefited from bringing round low in, but that's probably ebbing a bit. So we've got, I think we've actually got quite, particularly if you think Bowler might go, I think we've got a big job to do in the summer. I think we need a player who can actually score more than 10 goals a season. I don't think we've got one. See, I, I don't generally think in terms of goal scorers, I'm not too concerned because I'm thinking, if you're thinking about, if you combine the strikers' goals together, they've all got what, an eight and nine each, essentially. That's what, 24, 25 goals up front. If you're looking at other teams around the league and, and you're looking at their strikers, they've probably got one that scores 15 and then the rest score about two or three and they barely get a look in. So it's, it, but that's again down to this we're constantly rotating, we're constantly rotating. For me, we're, we're, we play our best football when we play high press off the ball and we we sit out off teams and we look to trigger the press in the right areas we've always had our best performances without possession of the ball and I think that if you're going to get anywhere in the championship 
on the budget that we want to get there on, I think you've got to set up in that way. And if, if we are going for a defined system, whether it's 4 4, because you can quickly adapt to 4 3 3 to 4 4 2 with one, one substitution. So it's not the end of the world if you've got two formations. But if you're looking at a defined way of playing, our best way has always been out of possession. And I think that we need to kind of build a team around that. I'm this is, this is a clever Sean way of saying, get rid of Gary Medine and bring in more <laughs> forwards. I see I was, your agenda here, Sean. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm, I'm mourning the, the team that could have been, because I think the most pleasure I've had watching us was the first half away at Uddersfield, where I thought it was superb, where by accident, um, Carey ended up in centre midfield because we didn't have anyone else to play. Um, and we were superb that first half. We, we we were genuinely playing on the front foot, looking unpredictable, getting into the other team. You know, we had we had uh, Medine got a goal, didn't he? I can't remember who got the other one. I think it was Yates got the other one. Um, and we played superbly. And then Carey broke his foot. Gabriel got sent off, and we never played that way again. And it felt like that was. It just felt like for forty-five minutes that was us. Like Reading, yeah. Reading as well. We've had these forty-five yeah. minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where we're like, yeah, oh, this is it. This is game, us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And and it just seems like every whenever we get that, then somebody does something like break the metatarsal or get sent off or whatever. But it doesn't seem like it's a question of the squad. It's, a, it's always the player who's the most important yeah. link in that chain, well, isn't it? That's part of the squad identity thing because we've got one player like Sonny Carey. We've got, you know, for ages we had one player like Gary Medine. We didn't have to, I mean, obviously we, we, we got Beasley in eventually, but it's like we have these players that, that we can't replace because we've got loads of bits and pieces players as if we need to have a player for every possible formation you could you could possibly play in a football match. Because And that, to be fair, has been one of our strengths, but it makes yeah. recruitment difficult. And it means when we find that groove and when that player does get injured, then we don't have the player to, to come in. It's like we don't seem to have, we, on, we only have one attacking fullback back and if he gets injured like well, we don't have any other attacking fullbacks we've got solid fullbacks it's like why don't we just have two attacking fullbacks then <laughs> in, in the long term you know Fair enough. so so far i've heard that i need to hire matt for recruitment and matt for critch's media training and the club will be fine <laughs> um we'll maybe not talk about policing in the interesting times and we'll instead move straight on to talking about um selecting our various none of the matches and then picking a team for Blackburn. I'm going to go straight to Tim and ask Tim, who, you know, I appreciate it's like asking between a variety of polished turds, but who would be your man of the match this performance? I think I think I alluded to it would be before in what I said. I thought um, Keo, bearing in mind the fact he's come in after uh, a lengthy period of time out, I thought he brings out a little bit of experience. Now, I think it doesn't get... I don't think Marvin is best game, but you know, I think that's our best centre back partnership and it's good to see him back. I thought he got some tackles in, I thought he showed some leadership. So I'm gonna go for Keo. Excellent. Matt, um is it Gary Medine? And if not, who else? No, it's not Gary Medine, it's tricky Ricky, quite clearly. Excellent. And Sean, we've got two votes for Mr. Richard Keo. Are you going with the are you, are you making it unanimous? Uh, I'm going for Dan Grimshaw because he kept a clean sheet. <laughs> no, Keo, 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 hundred percent Keo. There we go. Man of the match of Richard Keo. We'll put that out on Twitter afterwards, and I'm sure people will chime in with their with their own views. 
Mike, with a, Mike went with your first answer, Sean Hinks. It's grimy, clean sheet, made a couple of exactly. saves, put his body on the line. You know, all the platitudes, even if you're in the... Well, exactly. You, can't, you can quite literally not have a player that's put their body on the line more than Dan Grimshaw literally <laughs> did in that situation. I mean, because that's brave. Because the player is coming in at force and impact, and he's just taking it on the head. I completely agree. Um, before we talk about Blackburn and the team we'd want to see there, first, we have a very exciting thing on the to-do list, which is to announce our prize winner. So couple of days maybe a week we've got ago. prizes have we we've got prizes we are now, well we've got one prize uh we don't want to overstate it we announced that patrons of the pod would be eligible to put their name in a hat a virtual hat that at some point became a wheel and potentially win a copy of nathan fogg's how not to run how not to run a football club um we have a video of the wheel that i haven't seen before that will announce our winner john assures me it's going to work um and it's now time to see who that winner is. So I'm going to play that in five seconds and hope could it goes. It could be car crash this or it could be brilliant. <laughs> it's going to sting. <laughs> if it's one of you guys, it's obviously a fix. It's all way John. All right, here we go. Oh. Oh, good graphics, John. There we go. Oh, nearly Tom, mate. Nearly Tom. Know, it's nearly a fix. And it is. Stephen Southworth is the winner of the copy of How Not to Run a Football Club. Congratulations, Stephen. Um, John will maybe in touch with you to help you claim your prize. Maybe you need to get in touch with him. We'll figure out later. That's John's job is basically what I'm trying to say. But congratulations again on winning a copy of the book. If you would like to be eligible for prizes in the future and also for exclusive podcast content during international breaks and other times you can too can join our patreon and um, we'll put the link on afterwards on solar socials um basically for the price of a pint a month you get more wonderful seasiders pod content and you too become eligible for exclusive prizes and experiences and to be fair the whatsapp group we don't mention the whatsapp group's great to be fair isn't it you know and, and particularly on match day we're all on it um, and there's a lot of the other patrons are on it, and there's a bit of banter, and uh, it's a good crack. So, uh, to be honest, from personally, that 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 alone is worth worth uh, worth being involved. I think uh, we we all look at that every single day. So, um, come and join us. That's a great shout, Timmy. Go on, Leanne, come and join us. Stay awake beyond. Can't believe she's still awake at nine o'clock. By the way, because uh, <laughs> last time I saw in Fulham, she was asleep at six. You too can join our WhatsApp group and get abused by the Seasiders pod panel at all times of the day for the price of a pint a month. Um, I'm going to share my screen and then let's talk about the team for Blackburn. There we go. I'll make that full screen so everyone can see it. Um, I'm not able to see anybody else now, but ah, well. So... um, Sean, I will start with you as the sensible tactical maestro of the group. What's the formation you believe we should use? 4-4-2. This has really changed now because Sean's a proper 4-4-2. I've given it because I've just you, you just give up eventually, don't you? You try and play the nice football and then you give up, Matt, and that's what I've done now. Critch hasn't given up, Sean. He's a big <laughs> by your lack of faith. Um, all right. Goalkeeper, I'm assuming with Grimshaw's injury, it's got to be Maxwell. 
There was a suggestion in the in the chat, if I remember right, I can't remember if it was from now, that, that maybe we should give more a run, but I think that's probably part of the philosophy of just, you know, I've seen a lot trial of, things out. I've seen a lot of slating of Maxwell for, for literally one game against Luton that suddenly everyone switched off Chris Maxwell and, for me, put some respect on, on my man's name, really, because he was sensational in League One and he's hardly put a foot wrong in the championship. He's just been unfortunate with injury. I just found that I've seen it quite a fair bit now. And yeah, no, I, I, listen, I hundred percent agree, Sean. I, I think Maxwell, I think I've just mentioned it just so we can for discussion purposes, but I don't think, I think for me, it's a no brainer. I yeah, think if Moore was a kid, you might think there was a, a worthwhile, but Moore's not, is he? He's about 28, isn't he? There's no, there's no future in Stuart Moore. He's just a squad filler. Yeah. And I also like... I'm sorry, Stuart, if you're listening. That sounds... He lives across the road, so... He lives across the road for me, so he could could probably hear if I turn up the volume a bit. All right. I don't don't mean that, but you know what I mean? He's 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 never going to be a championship number one in in any time soon. He's... he's, 100% agree. He's not. His brother's good, though. His brother's good. But I agree with you, Sean, and I don't understand why people are slating Max. I kind of think... If Grimshaw hadn't been concussed this game and hadn't put his body on the line quite so literally, it could have gone very differently. And we could all be talking about the fact that he gave the ball away four times against Forrest, you know? Um, no keeper is perfect. And Maxwell's done, I think, as much as anybody could reasonably expect whenever he's been in that position or whether he's been on number one. Yeah, I just... When he got when he got injured, we we're all we we're all very very concerned about the impact on the team, weren't we? And we forget about that, and that's only because Grimshaw's come in and done such an exceptional job. But that doesn't turn that doesn't alter the fact that Maxwell had a fantastic first um, you know twenty games of the season, whatever it was, before he got injured. So I, I'm, I've got hundred percent confidence in him, and, and and I can't believe that anybody would seriously want to play more ahead of him. It just doesn't doesn't even resonate with me. So, talking about centre backs now, um, Matt, who would be your starting two in the centre back positions? Okay, oh, Marv. Yeah. Any nays? Nope. No, definitely not. Okay. Well, this one might turn out to be similarly unanimous. Um, latest team news suggests that Jordan Gabriel is close to a return, but might not be for this one. Um, he better add be. He, he basically, I, th- I think, to be honest, I think for, from from what Neil Critchley was saying after the game against PNE, it was just a case of not wanting to risk okay. putting him in so soon. So I think he'll, he'll be fine for this one. Well, that means he's got to start, right? 100%. He's got to, and that makes, got, it I mean, frust- that makes it a little bit frustrating that we didn't take the risk because... But then if he's gone and pulled his hamstring or something, then... Yeah, but... Uh, I know, well, I know the game's so important, but at the same time, it's like, it's that it, yeah. it can't the manager. It can be towards it. Hear what you say, Sean. And then on left back, um, I think we've got a choice of whether you want to go defensive and solid with husband or a bit more attacking with James. Well, it always works when we seem to play one attacking player and one attacking fullback and one, I say always works. It often works when we go with one attacking fullback and one more solid fullback. Um, so I I I put Jimmy in there. So yeah, I'm going, I'm going. Yeah, husband. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And that means we get to do the favourite dynamic duo of Bowler and Gabriel rampaging on the right. Can we not put Asp- Aspinall in midfield now? We want to put Aspinall in midfield. Get John in the van. 
Yeah, season's he... over. We can experiment now. <laughs> is he? Be- is he better than Robson? Maybe. I've seen, I've seen him at walking football. He's he's the Robson of. Walking football. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, there are a couple of suggestions on Twitter after the game that Bowler might deserve to be dropped because he always seems to play better after he's been dropped a couple of times. Um, anybody here in favour of dropping him, or does he keep his place just because of what he's added in the past? Well, who will we dropping him for? You would imagine it would be someone like Dale. or Yeah. That, that's the thing. I feel like if you're going to do... I think that you just as much as you'd like to, to sort of give players chances, you don't want to give them all the same chance in one team because then you're essentially just playing a reserve game and it's pointless. They need to You need to see how they fit into the team naturally. So you don't want to make too many changes. So I think I'd stick with Bowler and potentially drop Keshi on the left and play I'd, I'd get I'd drop Aspinall out of that team because uh, <laughs> Aspinall stays Aspinall is the all <laughs> water of this side alright so I agree with you completely around making needing the squad to gel one sub that I'm potentially quite interested in is is it time for Matty Virtue on the basis of being a bright spark at the end of that game to maybe see if he can get 60 minutes maybe even a full 90 in this side I, I would actually go for it. I would go for it. Would you swap both then? Because I would put Connolly in midfield, so you'd swap both out. I think I would, based on form. But I, I think Dougal could do with the rest, to be honest. Um, yeah. So I, 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 it would either be Dougal or Connolly in centre midfield with virtue. I think mm-hmm. I think we've reached the point where have, have we got a, a great deal to lose by just, just flipping a coin and seeing how something different works? Yeah. I don't think it's a massive risk. I mean, the worst the risk you've got with Virtue is that he's going to be blowing out of his backside after 60 minutes. Then you pull him and put Dougal on, don't you? Yeah. yeah. All right. Connolly and Virtue in the midfield. And then on the left, you know, talking about maybe dropping Keshi, um, I guess you'd either be looking at Dale or Kirk to replace him. I think if we've just put Connolly and Virtue in, it's going to be a stretch to put Kirk in as well. Yeah, it's it's Keshi left for left mid for me every every single day of the week. Keshi left mid, and then strikers. Is this the game where Jake Beasley finally gets a start and you know a decent amount of minutes? It's only the fourth time I put him in my predicted lineup, and then he just won't even appear on the bench. So (laughs) let's hope so. eh? I think I think I think we've got to reach a point where we do something different, haven't we? We've got to think about still doing something different, and um. I think he's he's worthy of a go. Okay, giving Beasley a go. So we're doing Beasley and Medine. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I kind of do one by one just to see it happen. It's like the Apprentice <laughs> and the Master, isn't it? Together. Did he ever actually play with Armand? I can't remember. Um, yeah, someone said that today. I thought I saw. I'm pretty sure that Medine and Armand like were subbed off for each other against Fleetwood in Critchley's yeah. first game. I'm not hundred yeah, yeah, percent though. Yeah. What you really need is you need Beasley and Medine playing together. And then Beasley start, like sits on Medine's shoulders, like in Power Rangers, when they make all the robots the bigger robot and beat the buddy. That's the ultimate Beasley Medine combo. Like you'd win every single corner. <laughs> How would you graphically represent that show? <laughs> I don't know. We'll put it in the notes for John for the next version. Okay. Can we have it so you can stack players? <laughs> <You've> got... <laughs> <laughs> what if one of the players is a two-in-one transformer combo? Can you code that? <laughs> uh, 
If anyone could do it, Aspinall, number eight. <laughs> number eight. <laughs> oh, okay, maybe moving on to slightly serious tones. Jane Lavery. Be... Yeah, Lavery. Lavery. I'd actually, I'd actually go. Um, uh, I might go Jezza on that. I think Jezza might work better with Beasley. I think he might play him in a bit more. Well, Beasley, Beasley, even though he likes to pretend he's a Medine, you know, region. Yeah, he's much more mobile. Yeah, he's much more mobile. He could actually press, which, you know, yeah. I think Yates is a slightly better presser than Lavery, but not by much. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a flip of a coin between those two, isn't it, as yeah. to who starts. And um, So I'm, I'm not I'm not against the Lavery. I just think... Um, I think Lavery's a better presser and Yates is a better link-up man, you know. Mm. Yates is a better footballer. Yet Lavery's more of a terrier. Um, so, yeah. Lavery's more likely to score a goal, isn't he, at the end of the day, I think. Yeah. One thing I like about Lavery, particularly if we've got Keshi in the side, is that Lavery's quite good at going out wide and kind of running in with the ball or even staying wide and allowing Keshi to kind of come in on the inside in a way that I don't think Jerry does in the same way. Like, Lavery, even though he's not a left winger, when he needs to, can do a job in those spaces, depending on the situation, which I think is helpful for Anderson coming in. On Have you come up with all that analysis based on the 15 minutes of football he's actually played? <laughs> <laughs> well, all um, players who all players who aren't in the team whenever we lose become instant <laughs> players, don't they? You know, like, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm jesting, by the way. Hey, yeah. to that. Yes, well, no, right. it's ridiculous how much now I want to see Charlie Kirk play. <laughs> I, I love I love Charlie Kirk. <laughs> I just want to I want to see him play, and I want to see him have a long career at Blackpool, just so he eventually becomes club captain, and we can all start calling him Captain Kirk. <laughs> right, I will save this. This is our agreed lineup. We'll put it out on social media, and I'm sure Critch will copy it tomorrow and. Um, we'll win as a result. There's nothing more certain than that will not be the team <laughs> we picked it. No, oh, grand. Mike Garrett is ringing him right now, going, right, what you can't do is... <laughs> you can't do anything but this. Don't give them any more power than they have. <laughs> All right. Dun, dun, dun. Well, that's been our team for Blackburn. That has been our review of a disappointing um, performance against Preston. Other words available, dog shit being another one used by my steam panellist, Tim. Um, it's a Timism, official Timism, that now. Yeah, it's just, I wish I knew how to do the horn. Um, everyone just imagine the Timism horn in your head. Um, and if you'd like more of these podcasts, if you would like exclusive WhatsApp chats where you can abuse us and we'll probably also dish out a fair amount of abuse as well. Um, and if you'd like to be in the eligible for future exclusive prizes, you can sign up at our Patreon page and I'm sure John will provide the link on socials immediately after this performance. As ever, it has been an absolute pleasure presenting. It's been a pleasure speaking to our panellists and thank you so much for listening. Have a great Friday evening, a great weekend and up the pool. Up the pool. Up the pool. So just before you head off, I'd just like to bring your attention to a Patreon support programme that we are running. This enables you to just contribute a small monthly amount to help support our show and support our content. So if you head over to patreon.com forward slash seasiderspod, you'll find details of how to sign up. It's about £3.50 per month, price of a pint, and for that you get a few other bits 
in return, which is access to our private members' WhatsApp group. You'll get some exclusive podcasts, competitions. So we generally run match pass draws for our patrons and just other random bits and pieces as they come in. And we are going to be running an extra time podcast, which is going to be an exclusive podcast just for patrons. So if you want to sign up, patreon.com forward slash Seasiders pod. It'd be great to have you on board. Thanks for listening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.